and welcome to episode number 196 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brad Allen, Stephen Andrus. We go through every single one of the games, and guys, I cannot believe it's week 16. This is starting to, depression is starting to set in here. I don't like this one bit. I don't like that the NFL season is coming to a close. If you want to follow Brad on Twitter at Brad Allen NFL, you want to follow Steven at Steven Anders one. You want to follow me at Matt Brown M two guys. It was a very wacky week 15. Hopefully there'll be at least a little bit more in week 16 that we can uh, correctly predict. It was a very, listen, this whole COVID situation is super fluid and we are going to try to navigate it the very best that we can, but Listen, new guys are popping on and off every single day. How the testing, and that's the other thing about this, is we don't know the new testing regimen, how easy it will be for guys to get off the list and test off the list and all that. So, again, we'll do our best to kind of give you the landscape of all of this, but just know, as always, just be sure and and check the news before you smash that button on your bet. Let's head to Saturday here. Cleveland Browns and the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers are seven and a half point home favorites in this one. Forty five and a half to forty six is your total. You got the Browns, who are one of the teams that were absolutely devastated by the covid outbreak, moved their game, didn't matter, weren't able to get back. Either one of their quarterbacks had to go with Nick Mullins, ended up fighting in that game, but ended up losing regardless. And with that pretty much lost out on their chances at the playoffs. Green Bay Packers, due to a couple of key losses in the NFC, now find themselves as the number one seed in the NFC. Steven, I'll start with you because you have a bet in this one. Um, And it's uh, might might be a little shocking to some people because you're on the Browns. Yeah, let me preface this by saying I do think the Packers are one of the three best teams in the league. The the look ahead line here was was Packers minus six and a half. So I, I think you can make the argument that the Packers are a good teaser leg here. I certainly think in most cases they're going to win this game. But I also think that the line is inflated right now off of the Cleveland COVID stuff and a lot of games for Cleveland where they've just been missing players in general. So it's kind of hard to look at season long numbers for Cleveland and figure out what they are exactly because there's been so many games where they've been missing pieces. But this line to me is kind of anticipating potentially some one way action here, because if they get guys back, this line only comes down. In my opinion, I don't think that this seven and a half line is going to get much higher if, if they don't get good COVID news. And I'm basing that on, what some of these Packers closing lines have been earlier this season. They were there were only eight against the Washington football team. So you're telling me if, if Cleveland's healthy, that they're basically the same as the Washington football team. I don't agree with that. And the Packers were only three against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. And if you factor in home field, they were five and a half against Minnesota. So <clears throat> I think Cleveland's more in line with Seattle and Minnesota than I do the Washington football team if they're healthy and on the field. So I I do acknowledge, though, that we need healthy Cleveland news at this point. They're still missing a lot of guys and not just with the covid situation, including their quarterbacks. But now they have Miles Garrett, Malik Jackson and John Johnson, who are both back to back DNPs on the injury report. 
at full strength, we know this is a pretty darn good Cleveland defense. They're top five on offense. I think we've seen a, a handful of games here when they're fully healthy, where they're at least an average maybe slightly above average. The offensive line could dominate here. Number one in pass block win rate, number 28 pass rush win rate for the Packers. And also number five rush DVOA offense versus the number 25 rush DVOA defense for the Packers. So I am taking a chance here, trying to get the best number. Hopefully we get some good injury and COVID news for the Browns. But with the way betting is these days, I still think I'm going to be able to cash this out for a full stake, even if the injury report doesn't go our way in, on Friday or maybe even Saturday here. On the Brown side of things, Tack McKinley, ruptured Achilles. He is out for the season. Um, uh, Kevin Stefanski, Austin Hooper were activated from the COVID list. So at least those guys going to be back out there. Kareem Hunt is going to miss week 16. He's on the COVID list as is anyway, but that ankle injury would have kept him out of the game as it is. So it doesn't really matter whether it was the COVID or whatever with him, he was going to miss regardless on the green Bay side of things. I think the real big news here is that David Bakhtiari, who they were expecting to be able to come back mid season, but then he had to have a little bit of an, an extra procedure done on that knee of his doesn't look like he's going to be back yet again. I would be surprised at this point if they played him at all and maybe just tried to get him ready for the playoffs. But again, that's just me speculating here. Brad, look, how how they continue to get it done week in, week out is beyond me. The Packers, I mean, Devontae Adams had a bad game this past week and they still won again against the Ravens. I mean, like I, I thought for sure we were going to get the we were going to get the average game out of Devontae Adams. And this is when the Packers were finally going to lose a game. And that was Did just you not see the how case. they were covering them. Did you see that? They had not only the corner pressing, they had another safety intermediate and then a third guy deep yeah. lined up straight in a line in front of Devontae Adams. It was incredible. I mean, Devontae Adams in a game with only seven targets is like, how how do they win the game? Well, they figured out a way to win the game as it is anyway. Um, is seven and a half too much here in your opinion, though? Well, uh, I mean, they, they had a specific uh, game plan for them. I can't remember. It was cool. 17 or something just to just to take him out of the game but I mean that just left one-on-one coverage for everyone else and, and Valdez Scantling went a bit nuts didn't he so you know you, you can take him out you can take Adams out if you triple team him but uh, you're going to get cooked elsewhere seven and a half I, I really don't have a strong view here um, I mean Miles Garrett is huge uh, yeah. I think if he's out then the Browns are in real trouble especially with that Tack McKinley injury as well suddenly you know the strength of the team the D-line is, is suddenly gone essentially against Aaron Rodgers, who gets rid of it so quick, who's got good protection anyway. So uh, I think you have to make sure Clowney's in before you bet anything. Um, The other side, I I mean, the Packers' defense is is fallen off quite dramatically. Just looking through the game log here, um, they've given up 30 to the Ravens, 30 to the Bears, 28 to the Rams, and 34 to the Vikings over their last four. So about 30 points a game. Um, So, you know, can, can the Browns take advantage of that? Like, if it's Baker... He's probably still got that torn labrum. He's, he's pretty bad. So I don't know. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a no bet for me as it stands, but I'll watch Clowney closely. Not Clowney. Garrett. Yeah, Stephen mentioned a uh, way to play this, and that's the teaser leg this week. I have a full, full-on full Saturday teaser, and it had nothing to do with just wanting to get it home on Saturday. It had everything to do with the fact that I just like both legs of the of the teasers on Saturday. Uh, getting Green Bay down to, to one and a half points here. Here's the other thing about this whole COVID situation, guys, in – This is one thing that I don't think a lot of people have been mentioning is even if you get players back, right, the nature of the way that the protocol is, 
these guys have not been able to practice the whole time that they've been out with all of this. They're not been allowed in the building. They've not been allowed any of that. You can't do any of this stuff whenever, as long as you're on the protocol, whenever you're on the list. And so it's different for a guy like Aaron Rodgers to get activated and go out there and just do Aaron Rodgers things at the quarterback position than it is for all these other guys, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, who are like running new schemes, who like you were talking about last week, they ran a completely different defense just to try to neutralize Devontae Adams. I mean, like they're, they're, you're not out there on the practice field being able to get this stuff done and, and work through these things and and actually get put that stuff into uh, into reality and so I, I actually think the Packers could could run away with this thing here but I'll go ahead and play it safe and, and take the teaser leg side of it get it down to a point and a half and pair it up with the other game on Saturday as well. Speaking of the other game on Saturday, let's take a look at the Indianapolis Colts at the Arizona Cardinals. As we sit right now, the Cardinals are anywhere from a one point to a one and a half point home favorite. This is down from two and a half. A lot of people taking the Colts whenever that thing was at two and a half, taking it when it was at two as well. Now sitting one, one and a half everywhere, 48 and a half to 49. Your total Brad, when we take a look here, the Colts have been getting it done with a power run game. It has been Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor. They haven't had to really do anything with Carson Wentz. That's probably a pretty good thing because Carson Wentz is terrible. If you look at the Arizona Cardinals, if you look at the Arizona Cardinals, they're on this they're on this losing streak here. They go they're without DeAndre Hopkins. They're still without JJ Watt. This defense can't stop the run at all. They can't get off the field on third down. They get bullied by a Lions team this past week. I, you know, people say, hey, it's just one game. Don't overreact. But it's not really just one game. Like we've seen this Cardinals team kind of leak oil throughout the course of the season. And I think now it's just kind of all coming to a head here uh, at the worst possible time. I took the Colts in a teaser with the Packers. I took the Colts up to eight. It was at it was at two at the time when I took it. You can still find a one and a half out there to take it up to seven and a half to take it through the three and the eight. The other thing is, is just the way that the Cardinals have been playing offense right now and the guys that they're going to have available and and all that. Like, they're, they're not really built to blow anybody out, I, you know, the way that they've been playing either. So gladly take eight points or seven and a half points with the Colts as it is. I guess my question to you is, do you think that this offensive philosophy from the Colts, this run, 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 only pass whenever we have to with Carson Wentz can work against this Cardinals team? Uh, yeah, 100%. So one of the things we've been talking a little bit about this season is the teams built to run, you know, to, to combat the teams built to stop mm. the pass. And Arizona's defense is built to stop the pass. So they're 25th in run-stop win rate. They're 25th in PFF rush defense grade. And now they're going up against the, the best rush defense in the NFL, the best run-blocking O-line in the NFL. And... You know, we we saw them literally get crushed by Detroit's O line, and the Colts. The Colts O line is a different league. Like, if you beat the Patriots up front on both lines of scrimmage, like the Colts did, then I I'm taking you very seriously. And Arizona's in a completely different league defensively. They're they're not stout up front since JJ Watt's gone down. They went from one of the top defenses in the NFL to 18th in EPA per play allowed. So they're mid pack. Then they've lost Robert Alford. They're they're one of their top two corners. So now they're starting one of the very worst corners by PFF grade in the NFL opposite Byron Murphy. So they can't stop the run. I think they probably can't stop the pass. Uh, I don't really know what they're going to do. So we look at the Arizona offense. Can they keep up? Um, Well, obviously they've lost Hopkins. Um, Kyler, he didn't run at all last week. Is, Is he still feeling that calf injury? I don't know. And then so we, we if we look at 
Cliff Kingsbury splits in the second half of the season, is, is he a bit of a Sean McVay where he gets worse because he splits with with Kyler Murray first half of the year, they're plus 3.9 points per game in point differential. Second half of the year, minus three points per game. So 6.9 points different. Mm-hmm. Without DeAndre Hopkins, they suddenly get a lot worse as well. Um, yards per attempt drops by 1.7 yards per attempt with Hopkins off the field. So look, it, it feels quite square, doesn't it? Like, Arizona just got beaten by the Lions. Now back at home against the Colts team off a, off a huge statement win. Um, but I think that I think you can only go on the Colts side here because I think up front they're going to smash this Cardinals defense. Uh, so for me, the, the way to play it is Colts first half. Mm. You can get plus a half minus one twenty. I've seen, or you can get um, just you know pick them basically draw no bet uh, evens just the Colts to win the first half, um, and, and that's the way I like to play it. Steven, I know you're looking on the other side of this one. I'm I'm curious as to what you where you think that the kind of this uh this Colts offense falters here against this Arizona defense. I mean, I, I I'm not I'm not bullish on the Colts long term. I think that it will eventually falter in the playoffs. I can't wait to fade them in the playoffs. They they've got a quarterback that they want to hide very 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 much. And if it came down to it in the playoffs and Somebody had to make a big throw. Carson Wentz is not going to make that big throw. But I think this is a really, really, really good matchup for this team here. I think this is a perfect storm of the Colts kind of hitting their stride, Arizona stumbling, and then a weak, a, a huge, huge, huge strength against a huge weakness in two teams kind of colliding here. Well, Brad just made a very compelling case for the Colts, and now I'm terrified. Uh, so let's start there. <laughs> but I, I, I agree with you. One of the things I was going to mention, even though I am thinking about betting the Cardinals here, one of the two big questions I asked myself in this game, can Arizona slow down Jonathan Taylor is one of them? And admittedly, probably not. Brad laid that out perfectly. Um, earlier this season, Arizona's run D looked better, but it's it's gotten worse the PFF grades have well, Arizona. JJ Watt went down, five. right? I mean, like yeah. JJ Watt was by far their best run defender. And then when he went down, this thing, it fell off a cliff for them. Yeah. And now, if you look at grades, they're number 25 by PFF against the run, which happens to also be their rank in, in overall run stop win rate this season. So they're going to be able to run the ball. The question I have to ask myself, considering that this game is now a pick 'em. And I'm not being tasked with trying to figure out if Arizona could win by more than a field goal, which is what the look ahead was. Can they just win the game with Kyler against this Colts passing defense? And Indianapolis is 30th in pressure rate, 24th in pass rush win rate. They are bottom half in early down success rate in EPA. They are 28th in red zone defense. So at least on paper, it looks like a pretty good bounce back spot for Kyler in this offense. And to Brad's point, he didn't run last week. The question about the calf, he did rush for 61 yards on seven attempts the week before against the Rams. So not too concerned there. The loss of DeAndre Hopkins obviously is significant. But he was not getting the huge major usage and efficiency that we've seen in previous years with Hopkins. So I care a little bit more about James Conner and Chase Edmonds uh, being a, a really strong, efficient check down option if the guys aren't open down the field. So, I mean, it's it's really just one of those typical 
bounce back situations on paper, right? Are you getting a buy low spot here for Arizona or is this just what they are at this point? So this is this. You guys know I've been high on Arizona all year. I think people have been trying to shoot holes into them when they weren't there earlier this year. I think those holes might be there now. So I guess this is my last stand for Arizona this week against the very strong and capable Indianapolis Colts squad. I I am going to take the minus one on Arizona, I think, though, and, and hope that they bounce back. Matt and Brad versus Steven. This typically doesn't go well for Steven. So we shall no, see doesn't. how this uh, we'll, we'll see how this uh, how this plays out on Saturday. But two really good games on on Saturday that mean a lot, because, again, Green, Green Bay is still trying to hold on to that number one seed. And then you've got Indianapolis and Arizona, who uh, one trying to stop the bleeding one, trying to continue to improve where they sit in the playoffs. On to Sunday, let's take a look at the Baltimore Ravens and Cincinnati Bengals this game. You want to talk about a game having implications? This game has implications. You have a Ravens and a Bengals team that this game is not only so incredibly important in their division, but both still have an outside shot at the number one overall seed in the AFC. That is how jumbled the AFC is sitting Right now, this has moved to three at all of the books in favor of the Bengals. This was at two and a half uh, Cincinnati money came in 45 and a half. Your total guys, I am on. I know this is going to be a shocker. I am on Cincinnati. I took the two and a half. I, if I'm we look stunned. at last week, I am absolutely stunned that you're on the Bengals, Matt. I I, I know I'm, I, I'm listen. I was on them last week. We won. We're going to be <laughs> on them this week. We're going to win again. And here's the thing. We talked about this on the podcast, guys. Like if there was a team that there could be at least a little bit of a struggle against for this Cincinnati offense, it would have been Denver, right? I mean, the one strength that Denver has and the one thing that they bring to the table is a really strong secondary. They almost have too many guys in the secondary. That's how many guys that they have that are actually pretty good that play in the secondary. That is the complete and utter opposite case here for the Ravens. This Ravens team is completely depleted in the secondary. They're just putting warm bodies out there at this point. Now, if this was the Ravens team in July, I would say, oh, this is a very, very bad matchup for Joe Burrow and company. It is not the Ravens in July. It is the Ravens in December and the Ravens in December have all of their stars in the secondary on the sideline on IR, not being out there. And so now you try and tell me how, where this, this team coming in with Jamar chase and Tyler Boyd and T Higgins and CJ Uzoma and Joe Mixon are not going to be able to move the ball up and down the field on this, uh, on this Ravens team, by the way, this Ravens team that loves to blitz a ton. And when you blitz, what does that do? That has, you have fewer, you have fewer guys out there covering people. So now you're going to leave Jamar chase and Tyler Boyd and T Higgins in one-on-one type situations with Joe Burrow. Who's been one of the best quarterbacks in 2021 against the blitz as well. I think this could be a run out in this one, guys. I am. I don't care if Lamar plays or not. I actually think it's probably better for my bet if Lamar plays because you're going to get a hobbled Lamar. And if Lamar is not Lamar and Lamar's got to be a pocket passer, then by all means, bring that on for me as a Cincinnati backer in this game. Uh, I've talked a lot here, Brad. So uh, you, you, you take over, my friend. Tell me tell me why I'm on the wrong side of this thing. Um, so, and then I'd say the other key thing is another thing we talked about a lot on this podcast 
is people getting used to the backup quarterbacks, right? They, they come in, they have a game or two where they play well because no one knows what they're going to do. And then once once the league has tape, they adjust. So Huntley, you know, he, he's come in, but he's put an entire game on tape now. And what, watching that game back, the Packers played weird. <laughs> they played weirdly. Well, I mean, one, they tried to cover Mark Andrews with Darnell Savage, which mm. was terrible for them. They were playing very soft the entire time. Um just just giving up like six yards a pass without Huntley really doing anything beyond his first read. So I think the Bengals can make that a lot tougher. The Ravens O-line is still bad. It's still a question for me. Um, so yeah, I, I like the two and a half as well. Steven, we have, uh, we're, we're two for two here on, on the side of Cincinnati. Where, where are you looking at in this one? I haven't bet it yet. Um, there's a, the Ravens are are in a pretty rough shape here with COVID as well, by the way. They have 11 on the COVID list, including a ton of key defensive players and rotational players on defense. And that's already with having 12 players on season-ending IR at this point. So they're running out of bodies on defense. Um, if they get them back, it's interesting, perhaps. I mean, I'm, I'm with, with the Ravens getting maybe more than a field goal here if this line keeps moving the way it is. I'm just, Matt, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. If the Ravens converted those two point conversions over the past couple of weeks, instead of not convert them and they lose those and they, and they lost those games, what's this line? If the Ravens convert those two point conversions and win those games and beat the Packers and beat the Steelers, as opposed to where they are now, I mean, are we looking at a plus three here? If that happens? Uh, probably not. Probably. It probably would have been a point and a half in favor of Cincinnati, something like that. And so, you know, there, there might be a little bit of this built in, but, you know, I'm 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 not so much worried about that. Right. I mean, I, I got it under the three. I feel confident at it. Under yeah, you the love three. the Bengals, so you don't care. It's and, a benefit and, to you. Right. And if you're if you're under, you know, I think even at the three, I think that this is still a good price. Like, like I said, I, I'm if you want to talk about matchups last week was a bad on paper matchup for what Cincinnati wants to do as an offensive football team. This is yeah. a dream on paper matchup for what they want to do as an offensive football team. And so um, my concern, yeah. my concern, Matt, is is Zach Taylor being a bonehead, though, because. Oh, well, that is always a I mean, yeah, I mean, that's always in play. Not I mean, smart, they, that guy. They, they keep talking in Cincinnati about this established the run garbage. And, and I was actually hoping that Joe Mixon wouldn't play in this game. So it would force them to throw it more than they have been in, in recent weeks. I really wish they would just, you know, take the training wheels off the offense and let Joe Burrow be Joe Burrow. I think we'd see the ceiling for this Bengals offense, uh, kind of like we did in the first matchup between these two teams. So hopefully it's a repeat of what we saw. I'll say this. If, if the Ravens get all those guys, Guys back and there's some significant guys there, including Justin Houston. Warren Sharp p- tweeted this earlier this week, and I hate trends, but I think this one speaks to coaching. Both of these coaches are undefeated against the spread when facing an opponent for the second time in a season. Harbaugh's sample is obviously larger. He's eight and zero against the spread, and, and many of those have actually been as a favorite, obviously, because they've been a really strong team in recent years. Zach Taylor's done it as an underdog most of the time, so now Harbaugh's in that underdog situation. If he has the bodies, he's the guy that's going to make these adjustments to try and figure out how to stop Cincy. If they don't have the bodies, it's not going to matter. I agree with you there, but I mean. Who's more likely to make adjustments here when the game was a 40-point blowout the first time? I don't think Cincinnati's going to make many adjustments. So, I don't know. I don't have a good read on this game, but I certainly can't 
poke too many holes. I'm trying to poke holes into your into your arguments, but mm. I'm I'm talking about fucking trends at this point. So I mean, it, it seems pretty clear on paper that since he's in a good spot. Uh, Brad, I'm going to end the end this game with this. Do you know? And I think probably you do because I'm asking this question. Do you know who the number one graded passer in all of the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus, the number one graded quarterback in all of the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus, is? In half last week, I think they ran it on nine out of ten first down plays, and the one the one time they threw it, they scored a touchdown. Come on, Zach Taylor. You, you've got you do have to worry because he, he's got the he's got the shackles yes. on him. Joe Jesus H Burrow, your number one graded I'll quarterback in all of the NFL, above Tom Brady, above Aaron Rodgers. Joe Burrow, your number one graded quarterback in the NFL. Los Angeles Rams at the Minnesota Vikings. The Rams, two and a half to three point road favorites over the Vikings. 49 and a half is the total here. Steven, when we look at this Vikings team, boy, they're at least they're consistent, right? They get up, they get up, they can't, they get up, they can't hold a lead. They let the other team come back. They threaten to lose the game. And I mean, they it's just it's rinse and repeat every single week. It's like they're gonna get up double digits in a game, they're gonna blow the double digit lead, they might blow the whole game. It just it's like the exact same formula every single game. In come the Rams, of course, the Rams now in a super, super good spot to not only try and steal the West, but to steal the, the NFC in general here over the last three weeks of the season. They find themselves as short road favorites here over the Vikings, 49, 49 and a half the total. We have an NFL playoff picture post up at the lines.com right now, just breaking everything down in each conference and looking at futures and whatnot. And if you go there, you'll see that the Vikings are now up against the wall. They do currently hold the seventh and final spot in the NFC at seven and seven, but they got games against the Rams and on the road against the Packers the next couple of weeks. So which Minnesota Vikings team is going to show up from this consistently inconsistent squad? Because frankly, last week against last week, it was this week, right? It was what the mm-hmm. hell day was that game? Monday, Monday, Monday night. Right? Thank you. Yes. Yeah. I, it's all running together now, Brad. I think it is for all of us. <laughs> 3.2 yards per play in Chicago. If the Bears did anything in the red zone, Minnesota probably loses that game. Chicago was one for five in the red zone in that game. So they have weeks like that. They have weeks like when they lost to the Lions. And then they have weeks where they look pretty darn good against Green Bay and Pittsburgh and score a, a ton of points. So... I don't understand where the market's coming from with the money coming in on Minnesota to move this line off the three, and now it's it's two and a half. We're getting Rams minus two and a half here, I think, in one spot as we record this on Thursday. The only angle that makes sense to me that I can think of is that the Rams played on Tuesday and the Vikings played on Monday, which is just a weird spot. It's a shorter week than usual. Other than that, I don't I don't get it because the Rams since the bye week are top five in EPA and success rate over that same span. The Vikings defense is 16th and 25th Vikings defense, 22nd and 28th and drop back EPA and success rate over that span. This is a defense that relies on a top 10 pressure rate, but the Rams are number two in pressure allowed and pass block win rate. So. With the receiver, Jalen Ramsey's going to cover Justin Jefferson. Who the hell is going to cover Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham? So unless rest is this big of a factor to you or the spot with the Rams now desperate and their backs against the wall, 
I think that it's it's a discount to get the Rams under a field goal here. I don't know what you guys think. Um, if we look at this, Alexander Madison was activated off the COVID list, so he'll be back this week to give them kind of a one-two punch with Dalvin Cook there. Adam Thielen did practice on Wednesday. He tried to go last week and just didn't wasn't able to get it done in pregame warm-up. So imagine it looks like he's trending towards playing this week. Um, Brad, I think maybe some of this has to do with the fact that the Rams did play on an island game and looked pretty pedestrian this past week, and maybe there's a there, you know, the market is reflecting that just a little bit. The Rams maybe one of the more confusing teams in the NFL. They go out and look like world beaters one week, then they struggle the next. They look like world beaters the next week. They struggle the next. This past week, I do understand division opponent and all this, but uh, you know, it on was a, a Tuesday very, with a bunch of COVID crap going on. So like, I I throw that out. I throw that yeah, game I mean, out. But if there was any, if there was any team that did benefit from the from the the postponements it was the rams for sure i mean they got back yeah. guys i mean they were they they, they were one of the team the, everybody else didn't benefit at all from the postponements but but they did you know they they got guys back and everything and and their dudes were out there you know i mean aaron donald was out there and von miller was out there and jalen miller jalen ramsey was out there cooper cup was out there odell stafford i mean like they weren't playing hamstrung you know it, it, the, this past week like the, like a lot of these other teams that were dealing with, with covid issues so uh, do you, do you chalk that performance up, Brad, just to a, okay, it's a divisional game and divisional games are weird sometimes, or is this Rams team just still really, really inconsistent in your, in your mind? Um, they, it looked to me like they got bullied a little bit up front, but they were without the right tackle mm. Havenstein. He'll, he'll be back this week, I believe off the COVID list. I think they were at, without the center as well, um, which could be a problem. Um, but there, there is also this Sean McVay getting worse in the second half of the season and, and it's kind of happened again. So, you know, last month, so last four games, Rams are 12th in EPA, whether the Vikings are up at ninth and the Vikings have a better success rate offensively as well. So, you know, you, you've arguably got the better offense at home getting three points here with more rest, which, you know, I think that's probably what the market is looking at here. I've not bet it. I would say one thing that really concerns me is, you know, we, we, we all watched that that Bears-Vikings game and we probably saw Akeem Hicks absolutely dominate the the right yeah. guard. Um, what's his name? Something Coles. I've forgotten. Not all that. Something Coles. Um, Whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it, 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 I mean, it, it was walking in backwards with Mason Coles. That's it. It was walking in backwards with one hand and, you know, making the tackle with Dalvin Cook and the other. And <laughs> so he, he, he missed practice as well this week. So you've either got him or his backup versus Aaron Donald, um, which you know that that could that could be a game killer essentially yeah. if, if he's getting a couple of sacks up the middle. So that's why I've not pulled the trigger. I would also look at the under. Um, you know, as I say, I, I don't think the Rams' offense is perhaps as good as sort of it is seen to be in the market. Forty nine and a half points is a lot here, um, and especially if we think Aaron Donald is, is wrecking the Minnesota offense as well. Um, that it could be could could lean me towards an under. Yeah, I, I haven't pulled the trigger on this one yet either. I do lean to the Rams, but I do just want to. I need to dig into this one, maybe for a third time because every time I'm like, ah, I mean, I'll 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 take the under a field goal with the Rams here. I don't care if it is on the road against this Vikings team that can't seem to 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 get it done in these big games, but um, maybe I'm missing something. So uh, a pretty good or lean maybe the to line's the Rams, right. But, Right. Yeah. Maybe the line's yeah. right. And that's why they're having a hard time seeing a big edge on both sides. Buffalo Bills on the road at the New England Patriots. This is another massive, massive game. Look, we'll get to some stinkers later, but this is another massive game <laughs> here. Um, as we sit right now, the Patriots are two, two and a half point home favorites. Total 
of 43 and a half across the board right now. So we have the Patriots coming off of a big loss to the Colts this past week. We have the Bills who, look, the Bills do what the Bills do. The Bills smash bad teams. If you look over the course of the season, the Bills go out against bad teams and they just absolutely destroy them. And so here we go. I'm not going to say for all the marbles, but this game goes a long, 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 long way as to seeding, as to where these teams may or may not end up in the grand scheme of the playoff picture. So I'm throwing out the first game completely altogether. I know you could at least draw the conclusion that, oh, well, you know what? The Patriots can just run all day long on the Bills if they want to. Again, the Bills knew it was coming and they still couldn't stop it. I think that's at least a fair argument. I also think that NFL teams are able to make adjustments. They're NFL players, and and I think that the Bills will have made some adjustments here whenever they meet the New England Patriots this week. Brad, the only thing is about this game, if you look at the weather report, and it is a little early in the week, but it does look like this game might have wind again. So we're we're we might not see the exact same thing that we saw the first time around, but we, we might have another wind game here. Um, yes, I, I would say the last I saw it was about 15 miles an hour, right? Let me just check that. That's about what I what saw too, yeah. <laughs> I see, um, the one I'm looking at now says down to eight miles an hour on average. So, you, oh, you that's, know, that's, that's almost yeah, no, no Yeah, that's great. Um, so I, I can't shake the feeling that the Patriots are built to beat the Bills. Yes. Right? They're, they're built to run the ball against a relatively light defense. Um, and then they're, they, they're built to confuse Josh Allen, um, you know, because like that, that great game Allen played against the Bucks, they they were blitzing the entire game. Whereas the playbook for how to slow down the Bills this season is sit in a cover two shell like a lot of teams are doing and make him beat you ten times. And the Bucks didn't do that. The Patriots didn't really need to do that the first time around because of that wind. But I, I suspect that will be the game plan. And the Bills haven't really shown they can beat that, and they haven't really shown they can stop a big powerful team running on them like the Colts, like the Patriots did. So. I, I, I don't think it's a big edge at all. I think probably minus two and a half is probably a fair line, maybe minus 2.75. Um, but I, w- I would lean to the, to the Patriots. I mean, the last thing is the receivers are banged up here on both sides. No no Cole Beasley for the Bills. Um, possibly no Kendrick Bourne for the Patriots. Possibly no Aguilar as well. So we might see a lot of running. Yeah, Aguilar dealing with the concussion. So him trying to get out of the concussion protocol. We know for sure Beasley won't play. He is unvaccinated. So... Um, with him testing positive, he is uh, he is going to be out. Now, Emmanuel Sanders might be back. Don't really think that that moves the needle for you one way or the other, but Emmanuel Sanders might be back in there. Gabe Davis has really kind of taken over yeah, as, that, uh, yeah, as that number two guy there for them as it is anyway. Um, Steven, I did, uh, you know, I did play this in a teaser. I did. I like, like I mentioned, I love that Packers game earlier in the week. If you're watching this, I love that game. So I packed, I I went ahead and, and paired that up with this Bills team to getting this up to eight and a half. I don't see this Patriots team constructed as they are currently with the players we know that are going to be out there being able to really beat anybody by double digits at this point in time. I mean, it is, it is a power running team with a limited uh, look. He has been a, he has had a good rookie season and he's a rookie. Not every rookie is going to be Herbert and Burrow from last year. That's just not going to be the way it is. Like, so he has a limited amount of skill set stuff that he does. They don't ask him to do too much there for this Patriots team. And so 
Um, you're going to give me eight and a half points here with this one. I understand what happened in the first game. They might run it down their throats. I think the Bills have more success through the air. They score more in this one. I, I can't see this one getting out of hand. So I- I'll take the eight and a half in a game that's only totaled at 43 and a half. Yeah, in, in the context of a teaser leg, it makes total sense, right? It's, it is the patented teaser leg that you want. A low total, you're getting up through the three and the seven. For me personally, I just like the other side more in a straight up bet as opposed to having to get two legs to cash it. So um wouldn't shock me in the least if it falls in between there and we both win our bets. I, I, I bet New England minus two on the look ahead. Nothing has changed my mind with the handicap of this game going into that wind game from before, even though I am throwing out that wind game in terms of what the Buffalo offense could do. But Buffalo can't stop the run. I mean, Brad laid that out perfectly. They are not built for it. They don't. You can make adjustments all you want. They knew they were running the ball every single play of that wind game, and they still were able to do enough to win the game with the exception of three passes from Mac Jones. And what have they done since then? They gave up five yards of carry plus the Leonard Fournette. And even last week against Carolina, they gave up five yards per carry. So Jonathan Taylor crushed him a couple of weeks before that, too. I just think the Patriots have a top five or a top three defense as well on the other side of the ball. And I know there's been a lot of talk out in sports gambling, Twitter and social media and the talking heads on TV that they're saying the Patriots have faced a soft schedule of quarterbacks. Well, the the same can be said about the Bills defensive metrics as well. So. If that's if that's what you believe, then maybe the over is what you should play in this game with a total that's sitting below 45. We're sitting at 43 and a half as we record this on Thursday. So the over might actually be there's all kinds of angles I like in this game. But if you're asking me to pick a side, I'm still going to stick with the Patriots in this one, even though the Bills are going to be able to throw the ball a little bit more in what should be an easier wind situation. I'm just not crowning Josh Allen at this point after a couple of weeks of of looking better throwing the ball on paper. But if you dig in, still just 5.7 yards per attempt against the Bucs secondary. He needed 100 yards rushing to get that game to OT. 6.2 yards per attempt and less than 50% completion percentage against Carolina. Less than 55% completion percentage. So this still isn't the elite Josh Allen that we saw last year and in that game against the Chiefs when the Chiefs had the worst defense in the league and the last big piece I'm going to mention here that we need to monitor is yes it's just Cole Beasley right now but we don't know for a fact that there won't be more positive tests. if there's one there can be more so you need if you want to back Buffalo I would strongly recommend that you wait just to make sure that there aren't more COVID positives because they also have their starting guard Joe Feliciano on the COVID list who tweeted that he had to go to the emergency room to get COVID treatment this past weekend. And Deion Dawkins, their starting tackle, was in the hospital too this summer. He's back on the COVID list again. So that that O-line is in rough shape right now as well against a very strong Patriots defense. I do like the uh, I do like the overlook um, the in this one. I think people maybe are a little bit jaded from that first matchup, and maybe this yeah. is a little bit getting a little bit. I mean, you know, again, if this is normal conditions, these teams should be able to score on each other as well. So I, I kind of do like an overlook there in this one. 
Los Angeles Chargers and the Houston Texans. Told you we'd get to a stinker. Uh, Chargers <laughs> are are nine and a half to ten point road favorites here over the Texans. The Chargers going out there. Corey Lindsley on the COVID list. Joey Bosa on the COVID list. Austin Eckler on the COVID list. Jalen Guyton on the COVID list. So who they're going to have out there. Who, who, who has any idea? No, nobody knows who's actually going to be able to play. We know for sure Bosa's not. He's unvaccinated, so he can't play. Um, he, he's going to be out for sure in that one. And then you look on the Texan side of things, the only player they have above replacement level, Brandon Cooks, is on the COVID list. So uh, if you want to play this game, you want to bet this game, more power to you. Uh, Steven, I, I'm not playing this one. I'm not betting this one. I might not even watch this one. If you have an angle, go ahead. But uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I, go, uh, go ahead. Nah, no bet for me on this one this week. I do have my eye on Houston plus 15 at San Francisco next week. I'm not going to bet it on the look ahead uh, with all this COVID stuff going on. If, if, the, if the Texans get COVID, like they go from, you know, bad to awful, maybe like CFL level roster. But I, I do want to at least note that Davis Mills has kind of turned a corner here in the past couple of weeks. He was 18th in drop pack EPA, 11th in success rate. It's a far cry from when we were talking about this offense being dead last by a wide margin earlier this season. So maybe they can at least be competitive and cover some of these more than two touchdown spreads in, in future weeks. But no, nothing for me here this week. Brad, yeah, as I mentioned, Brandon Cooks and then uh, and then Kai Fairbairn as well. So the only two players that have a pulse for this team are on the COVID list for for Houston. So uh, more power to you if you want to if you want to if you want to back them. Yeah, I, I got none. <laughs> I love it. Good. Perfect. Good. Good. We move on games that actually matter here. Tampa Bay Bucks and the Carolina Panthers. Bucks are 10 point road favorites. Uh, there is a 10 and a half still available. 44 is your total. We know Bucks are going to be out there as a shell of their former self. No Chris Godwin for the rest of the season. He is out with an ACL injury. No Leonard Fournette for the rest of the regular season as he has been placed on IR with his injury. Mike Evans is weak to weak. So now here we are with a completely new look Bucks team. That said, they do get back Antonio Brown this week. Carolina Panthers been absolutely horrible. Huge disappointment. They are going to start with Cam Newton. They said that Sam Darnold will play. What that means, I have no idea. Brad, it ain't good. That said, is double digits too much? As bad as the Panthers have looked, is double digits too much here with what we know the Bucks are going to be rolling out with this week? Uh, maybe. Uh, again, not a game I have a strong view on. Mm -hmm. uh, I would be tempted to look at the under um, because you've got this Bucks D-line against the Panthers O-line, which is bottom three in the NFL. Um, so uh, again, I I'm not sure that the Panthers are really going up and down the field. And then you do have you know a fair bit of of turnover on the offensive side. It, it looks like the, the weapons are going to be sort of Gronk, Brown, who obviously he's missed a few weeks, so maybe he's not a full go. Um, and then, you know, third option is going to be Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller. You know, it didn't really work last week very well. Um, and it is, it is a complicated offense. You remember when Brady mm -hmm. came in there, they took, you know, the first eight weeks of the season to really get adjusted and get on the same page. So I would be tempted to look for the under, but then, you know, the Panthers are losing corners by the week. AJ Bouet, 
on the on the IR this week. So yeah, it's not a game I'm involved with. Steven, it's double digits. I understand. It is a horrible Panthers team. But can they keep this thing within 10 points? Even with I'm, even even with whatever playing time Sam Darnold is going to get. I I'd look at the other side or pass here. I'd look at Bucks or pass. I mean, this has come down from I think eleven on the look ahead with these Bucks injuries. And let's kind of break this down. Who they lost, right? They lost Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, which is significant. But Antonio Brown, I would argue, was maybe their number one receiver in the games he played this year. He was getting eight plus targets in three of the five games he played. He had eleven plus targets in two of those games. 90-plus yards and a touchdown in three of the five games he's played for the Bucs this year. So he was not just a component of this offense. He was featured for Tom Brady. So I could see him stepping in to this Chris Godwin role, and, and especially against the Panthers, doing quite well. Ronald Jones replaces Leonard, Leonard Fournette. How quickly we forget when Rojo was healthy last year, he was balling. Like he was doing great for the Bucks offense but last he ain't year. The pass he catcher Lenny is though. He, and no, he, he's he, not. He ain't the pass catcher Lenny is. And Lenny had become Lenny had become the safety valve there for Brady. Like he was he was his dump but off guy. Do they guy. need it against the Panthers? Like do they need it against the Panthers this week? Right. I mean that's that's the other question. And Brad hit on the the big matchup. I think that matters to me most is that offensive line for Carolina it's bottom two in pressure allowed against the number three pressure rate so the danger here is back in a big spread like that and and I don't think the Bucks are really trying to be impressive at this point I think they're just trying to get to the playoffs healthy I don't think they care or even can get the one seed at this point so I, I, I could see a situation where they're up like 14, 15 points and give up a late garbage time touchdown or something. So I don't have an interest in backing it, but uh, it would be it would be bucks or pass for me. And one more note, how fun last week was when Zane Gonzalez, their kicker for Carolina, got hurt. If you guys aren't in the Discord, Chad, for the lines right now, go to the lines.com, hit that Discord button in the top right corner. We were having fun talking about Zane Gonzalez uh, getting a little banged up pregame, and we were hitting some kicking props at like three to one odds last week once we realized that happened. So if you're not in that Discord chat, we're hitting some stuff before the games even start and some inefficiencies in the market uh, after inactives come out for these teams. I actually think I would play the Panthers if I had to play this game. Um, As horrible as they have looked, the 10 is too much for me here against this shell of an offense that the Bucks are going to be running out. I mean, Antonio Brown's certainly not going to play a full complement of snaps in this thing. And I think they could look clunky, man. And, and honestly, there's, there's no incentive for them to, to blow teams out. They just need to get to the playoffs and yeah. try to keep as many warm bodies as they possibly can have. So I think I would take the 10 points if I was playing this game. Jacksonville Jaguars, New England Jets, the relegation game. Whoever loses this one has to head to the SEC. Bama gets to come into the NFL. Um, it yeah. is right now a if you no matter where you look, one team is favored by one. You can find the Jags favored by one. You can find the Jets favored by one. A total of 41 here. Uh, Steven, if you want to play this game, more power to you. I think that you are. I think there's something wrong with you. If you want to bet this game, I think there's something <laughs> I think there's something seriously like you have to watch this game if you bet it 
Like, I think there's something wrong with someone if they want to bet this game. But uh, I'm sure you have it on your I'm sure you have it in your ticket count here. No, believe it or not, I don't. I finally found hey, one that I, that I don't have go. in there. I'm there learning, Matt. I'm learning. There I'm we evolving. go. There we go. <laughs> Matt, Matt do, do we think that the market actually came in to back the Jaguars or do we think books just adjusted for Jets COVID news? Yeah, I think it's just Jets COVID news, which I think is I think is legitimate, right? I mean, like I, I they are down a, a ton of players right now. I mean, I guess there's always the chance we've seen games get get moved last week. I guess there's always a chance that this thing could get moved right now. But I think they're I think it's up to 17 players right now. Um, and coaches. For this, too. Yeah, for, for this team. And so we'll have to we'll have to monitor that a ton. But I mean, you know, we're talking the head coach. We're talking Michael Carter. We're talking, you know, there, there's a whole bunch of guys here that are that are on the COVID list. Brad, do you have any angle in this one whatsoever? I mean, it's I mean, I guess there could be a case made, I guess, at this point for the Jags if they end up playing this game. And the hey, Jets who are play caller, Brad, they have a new play caller now back the Jags, right? <laughs> I back I back the Jags. All right, you you hey, you both hey, insulted me in the last two minutes. And I'm, really, go, <laughs> I'm really upset about it. So obviously that they they lost last week. You know the money came from they went off minus five and a half against the Texans and they lost. But they had a better success rate and they had a better first down rate. Right, and then they are missing the Jets are missing some key players. Michael Carter, Elijah Moore, kind of two of their bigger weapons, and then Elijah Vera Tucker, probably their best offensive lineman. Um, and then some some key defensive linemen as well. There was, I think, Quinn Williams may miss as well, unrelated to COVID. So this is to me below, you know, it is a replacement level team at this point with with Zach Wilson back there. Um, and I, I suspect the Jags will be fighting hard to show <laughs> to actually try and prove again this yeah. week that they are better off without Urban Meyer. Um, and I think they have some NFL talent out there, especially on the defensive side. And and the quarterback is probably a significant upgrade over over Zach Wilson. So yeah, I, I think you know if you can get plus one, I, I personally bet that. I'm just yeah, picturing I, I, Matt. I'm just picturing <laughs> these sharps firing five figures at the Jaguars to cover the spread, and then sitting there in a corner on Christmas with their expen- extended family, <laughs> just completely depressed after they failed to cover yet again. I uh, look if I had to play it, I'd play the Jags strictly based off the COVID stuff. I mean, because again, like it's a it's a horrible Jets team as it is anyway, and then now you're going to remove what 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 are at least considered to be the best of the bad players and now they're getting replaced by worse <laughs> players so i mean I, I would i would play the jags if i had to play this game for sure um who knows who knows maybe brad maybe brad has compelled me to do that brad's going to be sitting over there in london just just watching the all these great games on Sunday. Watch it. Hey, hey, after all these great games on Sunday, and, and Brad's gonna be huddled around the Jags and the Jets game. Is he's not even gonna know what's happening the rest of the just just check the box score when it's finished. <laughs> you don't have to actually watch this garbage, do you? Speaking of uh speaking of some garbage here, New York Giants and the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles, uh nine and a half or ten points are the Eagles as home favorites in this one. Yes, the Eagles Ooh. are ten point home favorites. Over the Giants, 40 and a half is your total. Brad, I could sit here and list all the people that aren't on the field for the Giants, but it would take too long. I mean, look, they're just they're just completely depleted top to bottom with all sorts of any guy, anybody that has any talent on this team at all. So that's how we find ourselves with the Eagles as 10 point home favorites. I feel like it's too many points, even with the players that'll be out there for the Giants, because the Eagles haven't really been able to put together a full game 
all year long. That being said, I can't put a Giants ticket in my in my uh, in my account. Yeah, I'm still laughing. The uh, the Giants were saying that they're gonna they won't announce who's starting out of from and Mike Glennon. As, you know, a real competitive advantage there. And I, oh no, how are we gonna prepare for both those morons? Um, I don't know. I, you know, I had, I had a good chunk on the Eagles against the Giants minus three and a half about three weeks ago, and I still have no idea how they lost that game. Um, I don't know. I got nothing here. Some Eagles offensive linemen are going on the on the COVID list as well, so be careful before plowing into them because that is the strength of their team I mean they, they, I think the Eagles are good they they were mauling uh, the, even the football team who had they had all their starting D-line and stuff and they, they were still going up and down the field on them on uh, Tuesday night whenever that was so I think the Eagles are good but yeah no bet here 10 points Stephen what do you what do you think Nah, I'm passing this week. I mean, yeah. I do. I I did laugh my ass off this week when I went back and checked the numbers from since they fired Jason Car- Garrett, and our suspicions were confirmed that they found one of the three people on Earth that wasn't an upgrade from Jason Garrett. <laughs> since Freddie Kitchens has taken over, this offense is 28th in EPA, 25th in success rate, 29th in drop back EPA and success rate. I mean, I for one, guys, am shocked that Freddie Kitchens hasn't been able to turn this <laughs> offense around. Uh, but the, the one thing I would say about this game is that, like Brad said, keep an eye on the COVID stuff with the Eagles. Sirianni, get a tested, number. Sirianni is on the COVID list. So the yeah. head, coach, head coach is on the Which, COVID list isn't a huge deal because he does share play calling duties with the offensive coordinator. So um, it's not like they're going in with a cold play caller. Um, the, The angle I have for the Eagles this week is to just bet them minus three at Washington on the look ahead for next week. We'll talk a little bit more about Washington here in a minute, but I, I just think that matchup with the Eagles is just a brutal matchup for Washington. And I think you're going to see a situation where the Eagles probably beat the Giants this week. Washington could lose by a couple of possessions to Dallas this week. And that minus three is going to be gone next week. So that that's the angle I like for Philly this week. Detroit Lions on the road at the Atlanta Falcons right now. Falcons are five and a half to six point home favorites over the Lions. Forty two and a half to forty three is your total. Steven, I look at this one and if I knew Jared Goff was going to be out there, I would be running to the book to take the six points with the Lions because the the Falcons are not six points better than any team in the NFL. Like they're they're not. They're a bottom right. five team in the NFL. Of course, this Jared Goff situation is going to be really the litmus test for this whole new COVID protocol thing because they have gone out of their way the last couple of days to say Jared Goff feels perfectly fine. There is nothing wrong with him other than the fact that the test is coming back and saying positive. Like they have made a point of it the last two days saying that he it does not feel bad at all. He feels perfectly he fine. Said he, he said he has a mild cold and he's feeling yeah. fine. Yeah, he said he feels fine. The uh, he, he even said he's like, it's funny. I feel I feel fine for this, whatever. Two weeks ago, I had the flu. I was welcomed in the building. Come on in, buddy. Like, no big deal. Like, I have, I have the flu, and I, I can come right in the building. I've got, like, a, the sniffles here, and I can't, uh, I can't come in the building. I don't want to risk it because I don't know what these new protocols are going to do, how easy it is going to be to test out and all that. So I, I can't get there. Yeah, with 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 the situation right now, if it was going to be golf, man, I, I this might be my favorite bet of the week if I knew that it was going to be golf because getting six points 
against this Falcons team that is just absolutely atrocious. I would have, I would have, I would really, really love this, but uh, until I know more about the golf situation, I can't do it. Yeah. I would say just have your finger on the trigger and be kind of have some notifications on your phone or whatever, because there are a couple books where this has already moved back to five and a half. Um, I guess maybe taking a chance that he is going to get cleared. So keep an eye out um, and maybe you can still get a better number than what it was when it reopened at four and a half at the beginning of this week before he got COVID. For those that haven't been following the new testing protocols closely, you can still test positive, but get cleared to play if what is called the cycle threshold, the CT, is 35 or greater. So the NFL have found through their testing analysis that if you have a 35 or higher in whatever the CT is, it means you're not contagious anymore. But we have no idea how easy it is to get to that point to actually get cleared in the span of less than a week. We had four quarterbacks last week that were describing no symptoms or mild symptoms that still didn't get cleared for the Washington football team and the Cleveland Browns. So uh, we don't know if if that's actually an easy bar to clear or not yet. Uh, if he does clear, I agree with you guys. I'm taking I'm running to take Detroit in the points here uh, over the last three weeks, even with a game in Denver where they were missing like 20 players. The Lions offense is ninth in success rate and 17th in EPA. The Falcons have been worse than that. So mm-hmm. I think this offensive line is playing great. DeAndre Swift even returned to practice this week. He was limited. Amon Ross St. Brown has been a revelation for that passing game. He's getting peppered with targets and doing good work with that. So maybe the angle here is if, if we're not sure about Goff, maybe the angle is to take Detroit plus nine at Seattle on the look ahead next week. I mean, that might be an even better number. Um, I know Seattle is not Atlanta and they're a little better, but... I still think more than a possession against the middle of the road at best Seattle team is good value too with this Detroit team that's playing hard the rest of the year. I don't think we have to worry about Detroit mailing it in at any point. They're playing hard for this staff. The the thing here, Brad, is like even if DeAndre Swift can't go, they they were able to activate Jamal Williams off of the COVID list. And so he'll, he'll be able to, to go for them. And so while you'd rather have Swift, of course, Jamal Williams perfectly capable uh, a perfectly capable back with a lot of experience in the league. I mean, it, look, it, we could sit here and name off all the metrics that the Atlanta offense and the Atl- Atlanta defense is in the bottom five in the NFL, yeah, but it would take bad. up the rest of the, it would take up the rest of this podcast. And so, uh, you know, six points here. I'm even tempted, even if it's not, I'm, I'm tempted, even if it's not golf, but I can't quite get there yet, but I'm, I'm tempted, even if it's not golf. Yeah, uh, the the Detroit offensive line is the is the dominant unit in this game. This is by far the best unit of, of anything. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I, th- I do think Jared Goff will be back. Um, you know, the, these new protocols, or, or you know, if it's two two tests, two clear tests within twenty four hours, then he should be back. And he it was quite early in the week he popped, so I am hopeful. Um, yeah, I don't have too much to add beyond what you guys said. That you know, I think the lines are. If, if golf is still underrated, yeah. If golf plays, Brad, Come. would you sprinkle some on a, a plus two hundred money line, or is that going too far? Yeah, I, I, no. I mean, so they won two of the last three. The one they lost, as you say, they were missing a load of players from the flu. They had to travel to Denver. They like they couldn't practice. They split everyone up because of that flu. 
I, I just think I think the because the offensive line is good, it gives them such a mm-hmm. solid floor. Um, yeah, I, I probably prefer the plus four and a half or, or whatever it was, which it, well that is what it was before Goff was out because. You know, the Falcons, they either get blown out by a good team or they win by two against the bad team. So I do think Detroit plus four and a half with Goff in there is, I mean, you know, like a 56% bet. I think I think that's a very good, as good a bet on a side as you'll get. Chicago Bears on the road at the Seattle Seahawks. This one might have a little bit of weather concern. Look like it's going to be about freezing temperatures there with some snow coming down, maybe some water as well. And we know there's always a chance for wind in Seattle as well. So there's a, there could be a little bit of weather in this one. The Seahawks are six and a half point home favorites over the Bears. I played the under 44. This total has now fallen to 40. There's a 43 and a half still available. It is a 43 at DraftKings and Rivers and now 42 and a half points bet and MGM. So this thing is on on the move down. And I think it's correct. This this these are two of the worst offenses going right now. Um, There's something wrong, seriously, with with Russell Wilson. They can he can say that his finger's fine. His finger is not fine. There's something else going on. I can't believe how poorly he has played over this stretch. And then the Bears just can't figure anything out. Lame dunk coach, lame duck coaching staff. Everybody knows that that they're going to be gone and all that. Brad, I, I played the total in the under, but six and a half. I mean, are the Seahawks? Are the Seahawks beating anybody by a touchdown? I mean, I understand that the Bears have been so bad, but like, are the Seahawks beating anybody by a touchdown right now? No, there's not six and a half points between yeah. these teams. Yeah, okay. even if, let's give them one one point for home field because I don't know how you know how raucous yeah. that crowd is going to be given given where the teams are. Um, I mean, also Russ in weather, he's famously small hands mm-hmm. like Jared Goff, so he you know he's, he's famously bad in the rain. Um, which would be another spot in favour of Chicago. You know, they, they used to rain and snow over there. Uh, Football Outsiders makes it 4.9 using their metrics. So I, I don't think you can go wrong taking six and a half, especially if weather is dampening scoring as well and making those points more valuable. Steven, I am I am tempted to play the Bears here, and I can't even believe I've said this, like after just how poorly this team has looked, but it's just... Uh, the, there's nothing that has inspired anything out of me in Seattle at all. You know, I mean, if they would have had a pulse, they probably could have beaten the Rams this past week. And, but the thing is, is that they don't have a pulse. And so they didn't even threaten to, to win that game, even though the Rams were basically handing it to them. And so uh, I, I can't, I can't get to where they win this game by a touchdown. I'm with you. I agree with you guys. It would be bears or pass for me as well. Uh, we talked about it earlier with the the Vikings handicap with their game that they were lucky to beat the Bears, frankly. The mm. the Bears went one for five in the red zone. Otherwise, they probably would have won that game. They The Bears defense held the Vikings offense to 3.2 yards per play. So, yes, they are capable of slowing down the Seattle offense. Mm. Um, I will say that they didn't have Tyler Lockett last week, which has kind of turned into Russ's security blanket here late in the season mm. since he's come back from injury. For whatever reason, they just can't seem to get on the same page or, or beat coverage to get the ball to Tyler or to get to uh, DK Metcalf. So um, I, I agree with you. It's, it's, it's too many points. And I'll, I'll also note that the Bears offense was missing their coordinators last week, I think. Right. So it was, it was the Matt Nagy show in that game against Minnesota. So maybe a bit of improvement there with Justin Fields, um, maybe getting Bill Lazor back, I think. So 
yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I agree with you guys on this one. Less, uh, less rest for the for Seattle as well off that Tuesday night mm-hmm. game. Oh, good, great point as well. Yeah, yep. absolutely. So, yeah, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think I, I think I'm going to end up with a Bears <laughs> ticket, and that's uh, that's gonna that's gonna feel gross. But off we go. Hey, NFL <laughs> Week 16. Pittsburgh Steelers on the road at the Kansas City Chiefs. This is going to be the ultimate. Do you believe in the new testing out policy or do you not? Uh, the Chiefs are down to seven and a half point favorites in this one over the Steelers coming off of a ten and a half point favorite uh, opener here because their whole team. And when I say their whole team, that's in, in jest. But Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey currently occupying the uh, the COVID list right now. And so what we've got with that, this total has fallen down to 44 as well. Brad, this is the ultimate, do you believe that people can test off list? I mean, if I thought so, could you imagine me getting the Chiefs at a point and a half in a teaser leg against this against the Steelers team if I thought that they were going to be able to get Kelsey and, and Hill back here? Um, let's 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 look at it from the they're not going to get them back standpoint. So now let's go in as the only thing we know is right now they're on the COVID list. If they do not have Kelsey and Hill, is seven and a half too much or is it, is it just appropriate or what do you feel about the number as it sits right now? If we assume that those two playmakers are not going to be in there. So I would say if I had to bet on whether they will be back, I would, I would favor yes, just because of how early they tested and, and these new protocols. Um, but if they are not, then I think seven and a half is too much mm-hmm. because what, what's left after, right. after Kelsey and Hill is, is, is Hardman. It's what's his name? Robinson, yeah. Demarcus Robinson. It's, it's a bunch of Pringle. Like part-time players really. Yeah. Byron Pringle. Like <laughs> there, there's no one there that scares you, especially, you know, a good Pittsburgh defense. We, we saw last week. Once Joe Hayden's back, mm. he kind of he kind of firms up the secondary, and you know they've still got that pass rush up front. So it would be the plus seven and a half for me, or it would be the under if if it stays at forty four and a half with them out. Actually, I, I like the under regardless. Mm. Basically, whether they're in or yeah. out, and it, if if they're in, it goes back up to forty seven or so. I like the under because I do think the Pittsburgh defense is good, and I do still. You know, we saw in week one actually. The Steelers, they laid out the blueprint to play the Bills where they they rushed four and they dropped seven the entire mm-hmm. time. And I, I think they'll probably bring out a similar game plan here against the, the Chiefs and Mahomes. And I, I don't think they've fixed those problems that they had. They, you know, they played teams that, that couldn't play cover two against them. So um, I, I suspect the, the Steelers just dragged this game into the mud and, you know, a bit like they did against the Titans and try and, try and pip a one-point win or something. Steven, uh, the Steelers' offense, though, absolutely putrid. 12 carries for 18 yards last week for Najee Harris. This is like the fourth year in a row that they cannot get any sort of run game going at all. I mean, it's it's just absolutely But I pathetic. thought drafting a running back in the first round would fix their run game. Yeah, I know, no? right? It's shocking that that didn't, that that didn't happen. Um, I know that you're probably looking at this the same way I am, right? Like you want to pull the trigger on a, on a teaser leg for the Chiefs so bad, but you just can't quite get yourself to get there and do it. What are you going to end up doing eventually with this game? Yeah, it's it's the COVID situation for sure. And I would just I would just caution you if you want to bet this going into the weekend on Thursday or Friday with supreme confidence that these guys are going to clear with the new testing protocols. I think it's definitely a chance. We've seen that already. There's been a handful of players from last week with the games getting pushed back in more time that did clear. Odell Beckham, Von Miller, et cetera, et cetera. 
But there's also a handful of players that were describing little to no symptoms that didn't clear. So I don't I'm not sure we have a clear picture at this point as to whether that that new bar that they've set for clearing despite testing positive is actually a low bar or a high bar or medium bar. We, I'm not sure we have a clear picture on that yet. Um, All the bars. So Yes. High I mean, bars, it's medium bars, low bars, yeah. left bars, right bars, crooked bars. Which, yeah, all the bars. Which I can't clear any bar because I have a three inch vertical. So, <laughs> uh, but the, with these Chiefs, man, I mean, here's what I would say teasing them down to minus one and a half, even if they don't have Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey and this COVID news doesn't go my way. I still think they beat the the Steelers by two or more, even without those guys. I mean, the Steelers are a train wreck, and even the Steelers' offensive line can't block anybody. They're bottom five in, in, in block win rates, and the Chiefs are are much improved on defense if they have at least the majority of their players in there on defense. So I think it's kind of a low-risk teaser leg, even with the, uh, even with the COVID situations. And I don't know, maybe if you want to just take the second leg equation out of it, maybe it's a money line situation where, you know, you're just taking the Chiefs straight up for instead of your normal one unit, you're taking two units on on the Chiefs to just win the game on the money line. So I don't, I'm, I'm exploring all of those options. I haven't decided what I want to do yet, but I say all that to say, even if the COVID news doesn't go their way, I still like the Chiefs to win the game because I, that's how low I think of the Steelers at this point. Denver Broncos on the road at the Las Vegas Raiders. You can find either one of these teams favored right now. So uh, be sure and shop around Denver by one or the Raiders by one. A total of 41 and a half. Super, super incredibly low for this one. Uh, Steven, look, it's uh, we know Teddy Bridgewater is not going to be out there. It's going to be Drew Locke. And from the Raiders side of things, we still can't get doesn't look like we can we can get Darren Waller back out on the field for them either and we have seen what this offense looks like without Darren Waller it's crazy to think that 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 one guy and the guy being a tight end at that has so much value to this team being able to do anything offensively at all but um man he uh didn't practice again on Wednesday that doesn't bode well for because he's got multiple injuries got a knee injury and a back injury so it doesn't look like he's gonna be out there they also put Jonathan Abram on IR might have been a good thing. Abram not really, uh, not really living up to, to his billing. And then uh, Josh, Josh Jacobs missed the Wednesday with an illness as well. Just so much grossness in this game. Um, and then there's just it's impossible for me to back a Drew Lock led team as well. So I don't know. I think this one's going to be a complete pass for me. Yeah, this the market seems to be undecided on this. If I'm not mistaken, it was Broncos minus one on the look ahead. And correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but we actually saw Raiders as a short favorite here middle of the week. And now we're back to a couple spots where the Broncos are minus one again. So I don't think anybody knows what to make of Drew Locke at this mm-hmm. point. So to me, this entire game is just a gamble, no matter which way you you handicap it. I don't think you can feel confident about the metrics for either of these situations. Um, you hit it on the head. This this offense for the Raiders has looked completely different when Darren Waller's not on the field. Their metrics go much higher. And maybe part of that was Henry Ruggs, too. So I you can make an argument for either of these sides, and I'd probably say, yeah, good argument. I don't know how you know for sure or how you feel confident about either side. So it's a pass for me. Brad, I guess the only thing you could say here is that the 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 range of outcomes with Drew Locke at quarterback is like, you know, as wide yeah, as, 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 as humanly yeah. possible, right? Like if if it's bad Drew Locke, 
and he throws three horrible picks, like it would it shock you in the least bit if the Raiders won this thing by two plus touchdowns? It would not. If Drew Locke is somehow dialed in using that arm talent of his and, and the receivers that he's got and the weapons at his disposal, if they if the if the Broncos won by two touchdowns, I don't think anybody would be uh, really, really shocked by that. So with that, when I have such a wide range of outcomes for me, it's it typically leads me to a pass. W- what do you think about this one? I would say I will be a lot more surprised if we get good Drew Locke than bad Drew Locke. Like everything he's done since he's come to the league suggests he is, you know, below below replacement level. You know, trying to trying to bring them back last week against the Bengals, he, he's sailing wide open passes. He literally handed the ball to a Bengals defender on, <laughs> on, a, on like a QB keeper or something. Um, you know, it, it shows you kind of where where he's at mentally, where he's he's in the press this week, going, "Oh, I'm going to be good this week. I'm going to be a lot better than I have been because I'm getting a full week of practice." Um, so the the quarterback discrepancy is is significant. Mm-hmm. David Derek Carr is probably he's probably top. 14 still you know he's, he's a decent quarterback and I think Drew Locke's probably worse than 32 so on that alone I, w- I would have to have the Raiders mm. if forced to pick but um, they're, they're both two teams you don't really want to any part of Washington football team on the road at the Dallas Cowboys um, Cowboys currently 10 to 10 and a half point home favorites here a total of 47 to 47 and a half the Cowboys continue to kind of just Put along here, right? I mean, it's like I don't they're not necessarily leaking oil because the defense is playing so incredibly well, but the offense is certainly leaving a ton to be desired here. Washington football team just I mean, they've just been completely decimated by injuries, by COVID, by everything. I mean, this team is just been it's going to be a shell of the team that's going to be out there. Uh, Brad, I guess my question to you here is you look at this Cowboys team and I understand defense has played well defense who who would have known that the defense would be what we would be relying on whenever we were talking about a Cowboys handicap. Are are you confident at all that this Cowboys offense figures something out and gets things going? Like I, I'm almost of the mindset that, that Dak is just not right. That there's something going on there that, that, you know, that, that calf really must've, must've never really healed properly or something. I don't like to speculate into stuff like this, but I mean, there's too much talent on that team. There's too much talent on the offensive side of the ball for it to look this bad. Yeah, it could be that. It, it could be, um, it could be Blake Jarwin, you know, that there was a lot mm. of talk internally about how important he is for the run game. And, you know, if you're going at, 4.8 yards a carry instead of 4.2 it does mm. it does change how defenses you know defend you as well so it, it could be a little bit of that um i would say that i think there will be better i mean definitely next week because there's also a lot of just silly mistakes like cd lamb dropped a long touchdown last week yeah um so i think they will be better going forward I will say we, we were quite early on this Cowboys defense. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think we've given out under in their last two games. So just just on those two quickly, we, we they went under the last time they played uh, the football team on you know a perfect day in Washington. They went under despite two defensive touchdowns last week against the Giants. They went under by about twenty points. Um, uh, you know I don't I don't know if the Giants scored an offensive touchdown there. Um, and yet the total is basically half a point lower than it was when they first played the football team here. Um, obviously it's indoors, but it's also the second meeting, which is naturally lower scoring anyway. So I, I've gone under again. <laughs> I, I still think this Cowboys defense is, is one of the best in the NFL. As we, mm-hmm. we, we spoke about a lot here. The pass rush is, is, in, is ridiculous. It's, it's unparalleled in the NFL, in my view. And, uh, you know, they're ball hawking behind it. Um, 
So yeah, as, as you said, the offense is still a bit shaky. So, but yeah, I, I can't really explain why this the totals hasn't been adjusted despite what the Cowboys have been putting out there for the last month now. Uh, Stephen, we did get uh, Taylor Heineke clear protocol this morning for Washington, so he will at least be out there. It won't be Garrett Gilbert for this Washington team. They're going to hope to get a lot more players back, but we shall see as the uh, as the next few days go by. Um, look. You and I bought in on on Super Bowl futures with this Cowboys team. I I am still I, I'm not like throwing those away or anything. I mean, the, this defense is so incredibly good that it's going to keep them in pretty much every game. I am I am fairly worried about the offense, though. I mean, it, it is it is not a small sample size now of this offense being clunky, and you know, unless they figure something out, they're going to get clipped at some point. I just don't think it'll be this week against Washington. I agree with you. I, a couple things. You mentioned the drops, so that's not Dak's fault, mm-hmm. but it's an issue with the offense. The Ezekiel Elliott has been inefficient, and mm-hmm. he has the contract. He's a face of the franchise, so they're going to keep running him, but it is abundantly clear that a healthy Tony Pollard is much more effective, not only in the run game, but the pass game as well. So it's almost like the best thing that could happen here is that and I'm not saying I want him to get injured, but if he were to get injured, I think that would improve the offense overall. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, I just think that it's a brutal spot for Washington. I mean, Heineke cleared two hours before we recorded this podcast. The line hasn't moved. So the yeah. market doesn't give a damn that they got their starting quarterback back. So as we record this, it's still sitting at that 10 and a half maybe one spot here was at 10, but I think that one was a 10 before we came on. So no reaction to getting their starting quarterback to come back for this game. And I'm just waiting for the Cowboys to kind of figure it out because I I think Tyron Smith is still out. Is that right? So their tackle it's the offense is back to being a work in progress. So I, I love Brad's angle of an under here and, um, yeah, I'm not I'm not betting on the Cowboys right now or anytime soon to, to blow anybody out. As always, everything we do is absolutely free. So if you're watching this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. If you're listening to us on the audio part of thing, go ahead and subscribe, rate and review. Tell everybody how sexy Brad's accent is. Just let everybody uh, try help help them find this podcast along the way. Um, as uh, Stephen mentioned earlier. Uh, Join the Discord. Go to the Lions homepage, upper right-hand corner. Click in there. We have some pretty good discussions in there, especially on Sunday morning. So be sure and and hop in and and talk some NFL with us over there. And we'll be talking every one of the sports. We're talking golf. We'll be talking college basketball, all of that uh, over in the Discord as well. If you want to follow Stephen at Stephen Anders 1, you want to follow Brad at Brad Allen NFL, you want to follow me at Matt Brown M2. Good luck on all your bets here in NFL Week 16. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 5 
522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. 